When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, the next round of my interviews with the Iowa State football coaching staff. This is a really fun one. Really enjoyed getting to uh, spend some time with Taylor Mouser, the tight ends coach at Iowa State. He has a fascinating upbringing in the sport of college football and really just shows you how persistence and hard work pays off in any profession but specifically in in this one. And he's got a great story, and we're going to tell it to you in today's podcast. Um, Taylor uh, comes from the state of Arizona. He was with Campbell at Toledo, but at such a young age and literally, like, was fetching coffee for people uh, until now now he's the tight ends coach. He just coached Charlie Fuller. Like, how cool is that? It's a great story. He's one of the... Uh, integral recruiters on Matt Campbell's coaching staff at Iowa State, and he's a really fun guy. He's a really entertaining guy, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy getting to know him. Here's my interview with Iowa State tight ends coach Taylor Mouser. Enjoy. Uh, spring football starts today at Iowa State. We'll have a lot of coverage coming up, but uh, we don't really get into too much of that here. Uh, we will look at the uh, tight end group coming up uh, this spring and next fall, but uh, this is a great story. I think you guys will really like it. Here's Taylor. All right, Coach. Well, um, first of all, I, I I know, like, on the surface, like, stuff about you, like, that I've heard. Like, I've heard legends. But legends. I haven't really – Yeah. <laughs> I just haven't got to know you that well over the years, and I thought mm-hmm. that this would be great for the fans. So how old are you, actually? I'm 30. I'm about to be 31 here uh, in April. So you're, like, the puppy on the staff? Yeah. The puppy, but I've been with uh, I've been with Coach Campbell for this will be our ninth our ninth year together. So it, it feels like we've been together for a long time. So yeah, the puppy is is I get uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but one of the younger guys. So your like your past is is kind of fascinating to me because you're from Arizona. Yep, and then you end up at Toledo yep. in 2015. 14. 
that 2014 season. 14 season. And you were just a GA? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I went to Toledo as like an intern, uh, stuffing shelves kind of guy in 2014. That was, that was why I went there and then became a GA for the season. So how did you end up at Toledo of all places? A guy from So Arizona. I was actually, I was born in Toledo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was born in Toledo. My dad ran the minor league hockey team in Toledo, Ohio. And we moved to Arizona when I was in sixth grade. And I went and I played Division two football in Colorado. Okay. And knew I wanted to coach football and reached out to everybody I knew. Like, if they knew somebody, I knew somebody. Knew a couple people that worked at Toledo. They didn't really know football, but I got, like, some emails of some people. And at the time, I was literally just reaching out to everybody telling them like I'd come work for free. Like I'd do whatever I wanted to get individual in football. And if you play D2 football, like I did, like I had a good career there. Not that it really mattered. Like I thought it did, but I didn't have any connections to get to the FCS or the division one level. So I was reaching out to all these schools, tell them, telling them I would come work for free and do whatever they needed me to do. And Toledo was literally the only school that, that messaged me back. They emailed me back and told me I could come and, uh, do whatever they needed me to do. And if I showed them I was committed and was capable and all that kind of stuff, they'd let me be a GA. But I was literally picking up peanut butter and jelly sandwich stuff and like licking and sealing envelopes in the back, like by the thousands and just doing all the, all the, the good stuff in the back that nobody gets to see. A little bit, um, kind of similar to Hoodger's story, like how he yeah. just called and called and called and find, and he ended up at his, you know, dream spot so you okay so you're you're basically getting like coffee Yo, oh, yeah I, i've yeah gotten coffee Good. uh dry cleaning car you're, washes you're the also. type of guy i appreciate though because i i always like the guy like you'll be a good head coach someday because the best guys are the ones who have done it all like right like that didn't like get a head coaching job like right off the bat i always say that with sports writers like i don't mm-hmm. want a sports writer to work for me who hasn't covered like preps right because if then yeah. they get spoiled if they if all they know is covering the big 12 right like you got to be yeah. able to clean the toilets that type no of question thing. and my dad i think seeing my dad working in minor league hockey oh and like what a the grind and, yeah the ins and outs of what that looked like for him and then after that went after that he went and opened a couple like little caesar so i worked at little caesar's pizza forever on top of before that i was like the guy in the locker room that was filling up water bottles and cups and stuff like that. So I think a little bit of that and then just seeing like being around, you know, professional sports to a sense and seeing like how you treat people and, and how people respond, I, I think rubbed off on me at an early age. I'm a little surprised that you wanted to be in sports. I mean, cause I, I've been around minor league sports a lot and that is not a glorious yeah. profession. Yeah. That's really why my dad got out of it. And always, I don't ever remember like not, loving sports and more than anything, like I love being in a locker room. Like yeah. I am ultra competitive and I want to beat everybody and everything that I do. That's why I mean, man, Charlie got along so well, but I just, I love like the camaraderie of, of being on a team and being in a locker room and being around people and working towards a common goal and making fun of people for, you know, just being in the locker room and giving people a hard time and, getting made fun of and all that stuff. Just that's, that's like my favorite thing ever being on a team. Were you like when your dad growing up, did you, were you around the team? Yeah. A lot? I, I worked like all the games, like all the hockey games. It was the Utah Grizzlies are in Salt Lake city. It was in the, the IHL, AHL at the time. And I would go and in between periods, I would fill up all the water bottles 
uh, when they were on the ice, I would like get the, like the cups ready for when they come back and collect sticks and just do all sorts of stuff. I thought it was the best thing in the entire world. Like I got to be around minor league hockey players who I thought would be, you know, NHL greats. And (laughs) I thought it was the best thing ever. Like, and I was really mad at my dad when, when he decided to leave and I understand why he did, you know, after, you know, being in, in sports for a little while, but it was awesome. Didn't that make you though, like with hindsight and like, I know you're, we're pretty young, but like uh-huh. when you've saw what your dad went through in minor league, I, cause I've done this, like when, when I call like a Iowa state game yeah. and cause I, I've been the guy, like I, I once at one point in my career, I re- I'll never forget. I called a quadruple header basketball game at a gym in Northwest Missouri from my cell phone because the phone oh, line I, I was using, <laughs> so I, I was doing play by play, keeping my own stats, calling it from a cell phone. And Gee. then like, I'll never forget the first time I, I get on like a charter flight to go call a game where the equipment's already set up for me. You, you, right. Like you just appreciate it so much. More. Oh, At least that was my you. experience. I, I can't only imagine how you feel. Well, growing up in minor league hockey. It's it's funny you say that. Like, yeah, like when my dad was in it, like he was playing in all this stuff and was in charge of the marketing for the team and just doing all this crazy stuff. And then I actually, before I went and played college football, I played junior hockey and we had like 14 hour bus rides oh, all over man. the place. Yeah. We had no, we were eating like soggy subs everywhere we went and then went to a division two school and we didn't, we literally didn't have two charter buses. Like we had one charter bus and then we had one, like it was an airport shuttle that they changed. They put like graphics on. It didn't have a bathroom in it. And we were going eight to 15 hour bus rides and that too. And we just alternated every week. And I would literally, I would blow up a pool float, like the long skinny ones and put it in the aisle and I would sleep on it. That was like, I thought it was the most genius thing of all time <laughs> at the time. And then when I got to Toledo, I had no idea what to expect. Like it was division one football. I thought I made it to like, it was like better than the NFL in my mind. And we took a, the, the first road trip we had was actually to Iowa state. Yeah. Never and forget that was that the day. first airplane that we took and we flew to a game. And when we got to the hotel, they were like playing the fight song and there were people clapping. It was like the most incredible thing I've ever been a part of. And it, I was blown away. That's cool. How it comes full circle. Like yeah. that for a lot of you guys, actually. It really is. And we stayed in Ankeny, which was where the hotel was. I live in Ankeny now, yeah, right down the street from the hotel. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy that, that, that happened. And now, you know, however many years later, we're, we're back here and we've been here this long. It's awesome. Yeah. Wow. It doesn't like, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. But no, it doesn't. And I, but I and the whole thing is just it's such a small world deal too because when you guys beat us, you now um, yeah in Toledo that year it was kind of like man, well I never I never thought that all of you guys would be here like I never yeah I think about that but it kind of felt like that might have been the final like nail you didn't know mm-hmm. it was still still early and then yeah um, and then now all you guys are here so how how did you go from fetching coffee and licking yep. envelopes to being taken seriously as a football guy. Yeah. I think, uh, just like er, everything that I was like the task I was able to give since coach Campbell was like the only coach that gave me a shot to like go and like be a part of his football team. Like I was so grateful and fortunate for like every task that guy gave me, like even if it was picking him, picking him up lunch, like 
but I like just showed up early and on time every day and did all the tasks and like just earned the trust of the people in the building. And I was like good to people and was a guy that had a big personality that people like genuinely like to be around. Like at least in football, like we spend a gazillion hours a week here. So, yeah, you know, it helps to be around people you like. And I, I like to think I did a good job with the stuff they asked me to do. And then I was a GA and I worked with an incredible coach named Derek Sage, who's, he's the offensive coordinator in Nevada. Now he was the tight end coach at UCLA. And I love the Wolfpack. They're one of my, they're one of my favorite them. West coast teams. Yeah. He, they're, they're awesome. And Reno's awesome. And yeah. the guy, Derek Sage is, is incredible. Kind of laid the foundation for me for, we were, he was the receivers coach and I was the receivers GA. Okay. And like learned a lot from him. Uh, and like the receivers were like the last position group I wanted to, you know, work with. And then when it happened, I can't imagine, like after working with them, they became like my favorite kids on the team and just everything that the position entails, like, there's so much in it and there's so much that goes into every route and every concept. Like I became infatuated with like that position and just like studied it and lived and, and breathed it for a while. And like, just tried to break it down. Cause I was, everyone here or at Toledo was like an old, not everybody, but like Campbell and Manning and Myers, all these, they're like O-line guys. And yeah, I always like was listening to what they had to say and trying to correlate what they did with the receiver game and how to, you know, integrate a lot of the fundamentals and stuff and try new things. And I would literally just experiment the things that I was like wondering and trying and talking to like on the guys and it worked or they liked it. Yeah. And I think was able to earn the trust of the players that way. And I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids. I was like literally accessible to the players 24 seven and could shoot jugs balls to them whenever they, they needed me to and watch film and stuff. And I would, you know, just got a good relationship there. I would think that that is a benefit, not to nothing against wives and kids. Yeah, I have, I have some. Yeah, um, they're great. I do know, like younger in my career, like when you're trying to work up in sports writing, like yeah, it's a benefit to just be that guy who can be accessible, be ready at nine o'clock if a recruit calls, right? And you're trying to get a story uh, with a guy, right? Like, and that yeah. that was that I never thought about that, but like that is a big deal when you're at that stage of your career to not be tied down. No, absolutely. The freedom that you can have to be able to drop anything at any given moment and go pick somebody up from the airport or take somebody to wherever watch film or just anything, take someone to class. So you get the call. Um, Matt takes the Iowa state job. Yeah. How long was it until you were here? Were you one of the guys like on the plane? That I've heard about. I, I, I wasn't. I was one of the. So that happened, and uh, Coach Campbell called me like that Sunday morning and kind of told me what was going on, and then we had like staff meetings at Toledo, and then like half the staff left, and I gave a couple. Me and Coach Myers were, were GAs at Toledo at the time, our line coach, mm -hmm. and we gave rides to the airport to the coaches. And didn't really know like what was going to go on. Like we coach Haycock was, had been named the interim head coach at the time for the days leading up to when they ultimately named coach Candle, who was here for a couple of days at Iowa state. Yeah. Cause he was on the yeah. plane here, right? Yeah. He was on the plane. Yeah. We dropped him off. Yeah. And then he came back as a head coach. So me and Jeff and some of the other coaches were like, just there trying to keep the wheels on for the players that were there. Cause we had a really good football team. Yeah. And Coach Campbell told us, like, he wanted us to stay and help send the seniors out, right? 
And really all we wanted to do at the time was just get to Iowa state and help coach Campbell. Like we wanted to make sure that we, you know, had a spot there and would be there, but we ended up staying there through the bowl game. And it was, it's one of my all time favorite games that we got to coach. Like I got to be the tight ends coach that week. Jeff got to be the O-line coach and we only had like five or six coaches on the staff. And we had all these GAs that were like thrust into these roles and we were going up against Temple and Matt rule, who was the head coach at the time. And they had a top 25 football team and we went in and beat them in the Boca bowl with out, you know, most of our staff and that's got a, a win and then came. That's so a story. I, I need to like dig deep on and I need to do like a, oral history of the Boca Bowl with all of oh, you yeah. guys with Haycock as the head coach. I think it was awesome. I think it'd be really interesting for Iowa State fans to just see how that has come. Oh my circle. gosh. That time from when Campbell left Iowa State until that Boca Bowl was like some of like the craziest. What were you like twenty five? I was uh twenty three. <laughs> so Sorry, I was twenty four, twenty four. That's insane. It was insane. It was crazy just because like Coach Campbell is literally the best. Like he's incredible. Like there's nobody better than he is. And when we didn't have him, like I don't think any of us really knew what to expect. And Coach Haycock obviously is an incredible coach and yeah. has been a head coach before. But there's like a little bit of there was at least for me like some self doubt. Like we didn't have Coach Manning, we didn't have Coach Campbell, we didn't have all these guys. And I I tell all you guys during these interviews, I'm a big fan of all of you. Haycock's my guy. Nobody's going to yeah. surpass Haycock. That's my guy. Yeah, he's awesome. He's he's number one for me. Like he's my uh, he he's my um. Uh, are you a are you a, you so you probably not a Cleveland guy, right? I was. I'm not a Cleveland guy. I'm actually a Detroit guy. I like oh. the Lions, the oh, Red wow. Wings. Yeah, I'm the Sorry. complete opposite. I'm like a diehard, uh, okay. diehard Detroit sports well, fan. Haycock's at the top Lions. of my coaching like uh, man crush tree. I think he's the all time best. He's awesome. It's my yeah, dude. him and his family are they're they're great. Now, Coach Haycock and I actually got to Toledo the same year. Me, uh, yeah. myself, Coach Haycock, and Coach White all got to Toledo this spring of 2014. So we've had a, a lot of good stories and a lot of good times together. So here's what I think is so fascinating about you, and I don't think that probably most fans really grasp this. I'm I'm a recruiting junkie. I used to be more than I am now, but like all of a sudden. 2017-ish, Iowa State's recruiting the the state of Arizona. And I'm like, what? yep. what's going on here? And yeah. I, I've told this story before, but I was I was doing one of these with Matt. It was like a Saturday of a home basketball game, and you guys had a bunch of juniors in or something. And he was – this is back when signing day was just exclusively in February. Yep. And he was just raving about this kid from Arizona that he – that um, one of his staffers had discovered named Brock Purdy, who he was obsessed yeah. with. Crazy. Walk me through that. Cause again, like you're, uh-huh. I mean, what, 26 years old, whatever yeah. you, you're the assistant director of scouting. How does yeah. this Arizona pipeline develop at Iowa state? Yeah. So the, with bro, I was always trying to get coach Campbell to recruit Arizona, even at Toledo. And he just like, whatever, we're not recruiting Arizona. And then we got here and I got a couple kids to like come up. Cause you can fly direct. And it's actually pretty it's a cheap. Big deal in this world that you're talking yes, about. Yes, it is a huge deal, especially here. You can fly direct somewhere, and they actually there's two direct flights into Phoenix at two different airports, so it's a great deal. If you guys listening, you guys should go on vacation there sometime. Cedar but, Rapids go to Phoenix. 
or, or, oh, you're, Des Moines, just Des Moines. Flies okay. To Mesa Gateway, which is on gotcha. the south side of Phoenix. Two and in also Phoenix. Mesa Gateway, which gotcha. is on the north side. All right. So you could get two direct flights there, depending on the dates. But um, so we had a couple guys come up, and then I was handling the offensive side of recruiting at the time. And we had Riel Mitchell committed, if you remember him. I do. And then ap- it was after the Liberty Bowl. So uh, after Brock's, what would have been senior year. And Brock went to my rival high school. My high school and his high school are, are, are two miles apart. They're on the same road. So that's where the um, Oregon quarterback from the Fiesta Bowl went to yeah. your high school then? Yeah. So, so my high school, the Oregon's quarterback's high school, and Brock's like make up a triangle. Like oh, okay. The three of them Got are it. within five miles of each other. Okay. And we're all really close, you know, vicinity actually huge like the biggest level in arizona too is like there's a lot of kids like packed into a tight area and i knew uh brock's coach uh coach jones who's an awesome guy and he was always like sending me uh brock stuff like tell me about brock like how good he was and literally like we had real committed and we weren't gonna take another quarterback and there was only one name like on the board like on our room we have like the recruiting names and stuff on there mm-hmm. there was one tag and it was brock purdy's name on there and like nobody, I don't think really paid attention to it. And then after that Liberty Bowl, uh, Campbell came in. So like, we, we need to take another quarterback. Like, who do you got? And I put on Brock and he loved Brock, like loved him. And we got on the phone that night, offered him. And uh, we're on a plane or whatever that next weekend to meet Coach Manning and, and Coach Campbell to go see him. Yeah, Matt, like it was love at first sight. It was love at first sight. And <laughs> it's still uh, like, that's one of his all-time favorite people in the entire world. Yeah, you can see it. I mean, you can just see the way that they talk about each other, like how yeah. authentic that is. Okay, so let me tell you a little story. And I, I, So I have family in Phoenix. They live in Chandler. That's where I'm from, Chandler. That's where me and we're all from. Tyler. Okay. Brock's Gilbert, which is connected to Chandler. Gotcha. Well, I have a – he would be like a second cousin to me. He's my cousin's son, whatever that would make it. I don't know. Not good yeah. with that. My cousin's son. Related somehow. Yeah, yeah. And I was down there for a wedding last year, and my aunt, who doesn't know a lick about Iowa State football, she's never watched a football game in her life, and yep. her, her comment to me was, yeah, uh, he he's he's getting trained by Brock Purdy's coach, Brock Purdy's <laughs> quarterback coach. And I'm like, how do you know who Brock Purdy is? And she was telling me like how big of a deal he was in town and stuff. And my the point was um, – that down there, like Iowa State had some clout, yeah, because of because of Brock. So how does like Brock turn into more Arizona? I guess from there. Yeah, yeah. Like the the interesting thing about like as big as Phoenix is, it kind of it doesn't feel that way. I guess like everybody's so intertwined with each other there with like the football, especially like where Brock's from and I'm from, like that Southeast Valley is where like the best football in, in the Phoenix and air. I mean, really the whole state is from there. Like yep. Hamilton, Tyler shook the Oregon quarterback school, went on a tear. Now Chandler high school where Eli Sanders went, they're like the perennial powerhouse. Yep. And that whole area, like is, I mean, it's really close just in terms of vicinity to, to, to one another. So like everybody in that area knew Brock and that's where like the best talent was. And Brock's team went and lost to Chandler High School in the state championship back-to-back years. And I think just 
him coming here and having the success he had early and still being like a name people knew there uh, really like helped put Iowa State on the map to a lot of those people. And it's just, it was, it was a unique situation with him. And then obviously you, you, you bring the Fiesta into it two years yeah, later. Absolutely. And it's something that a lot of people had, had seen. And there's a lot of Midwest people in Phoenix. Like there's a lot of Iowa people there. There's a lot of Michigan people there. So, and there's a lot, like nobody where I grew up in Chandler is from Chandler. Like it's one of, it was like one of the fastest growing cities in the country from mm-hmm. like 2002 to 2000. 12 or whatever. So like you have all these people that move there from wherever and you see, I, I see Iowa state stuff all the time back there. Like it's, it's just, it's a unique melting pot of people. Yeah. It's, um, it's been fun to watch that the Fiesta Bowl. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, I, I still like, um, like it, I, I still have to pinch myself that Iowa state won the Fiesta Bowl, but I'm yeah. also like still pissed that people couldn't go. Like it just, no question. It was, uh, it was really weird, especially because we were fortunate enough for most of the season to be able to have fans in our home or away games. Mm-hmm. And even that big 12 championship game, like was pretty packed. Yeah. So to go there, I was lucky. I was able to get like, and you had to sit in pairs of twos. I was able to get like eight tickets for like my family to go. Yeah. And they were able to see it, but it was still really like eerie almost, especially, you know, with the flow of the game because of, we had Cyclone Nation there with the bounces that we were getting. It would have been bananas. I um, that had to be cool for you though to win that game. Yeah, it was like it's it's my all time favorite sports accomplishment, whatever you want to call it. It's, it was, it was the, an incredible day. The Fiesta Bowl did that. I mean, I, I like for me because I grew up in Western Iowa. We watched Nebraska all the time. Yeah, they were winning titles in the nineties the orange bowl always seemed like the biggest bowl game. Cause that was who Nebraska would like was the Fiesta bowl. Like yeah. your game. It was like the, it was the biggest. And like, I was a hockey guy that moved to Arizona. So I didn't even follow football, but that's the Fiesta bowl was there. And the first year that I lived in Arizona was Ohio state versus Miami. Like that pass interference game. And that was like oh, the yeah. biggest game. That's all anybody talked about for like a year. Then like, I think the year after that, that was the Willis McGahee game, right? Where he, yeah, broke his so leg. Blew his knee out. yeah, 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 yeah. That was that game. And it was like sun devil stadium. It was only like 20 minutes from my house. So I was like, there's a million people at this game. Everybody's talking about it. Like the Fiesta bowl, like that's like the game. And then the year after that, I think was when Darren Sproles and K state went to it. And that was the first year that we went to like, there used to be a parade, like a, a Fiesta Bowl parade. It was okay. on Mill Avenue in Tempe and it was like insane. So after that, like, I bet you I'd been to like four or five Fiesta Bowls too. I went to the oh, uh, cool. Oklahoma, West Virginia one, the Owen Schmidt one where he had the big, the long run yep. uh, where they beat Oklahoma. I was at that game. I was at the, the national championship when Cam Newton beat Oregon. I was at that game. I was at that stadium in the stands. I won tickets to that game in a raffle, (laughs) a random uh, raffle. We we don't talk about that one around here because that was Chiswick. He's not a big, uh, we're not big Chiswick people here. Exactly right. Yeah, we don't don't talk about (laughs) I was at the game. So just, I had like memories and this like thought of what the game was. And it was to come back there and do that. It was with Brock, you know, the Arizona story piece. Like it was, a dream come true. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Do you remember from your childhood, because Iowa State has, has two great Arizona members, three now with the Fiesta Bowl, but we won the two Insight Bowls. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, do you remember the old, uh, it was like one of those ghost towns called Rawhide? Oh, absolutely. And they did the fake gun shot, the fake yeah. gun fights. Okay. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I don't know if you know this story, but it, I think this happened twice, but I know it happened once because I was there to witness it in 2009 where they had, Iowa State hadn't been to a bowl game in really yeah. long time, like five years or something like that. Yeah. 2005 was the Houston Bowl and then 2009, it, yeah, it took a while. And they had a giant pep rally out at that Rawhide yep. ghost town. Yeah, yeah. In Cowboy town. Something like 30,000 Iowa State fans show up at this place and Crazy. drink the place out of beer. Drink it <laughs> absolutely it. dry. Like you could not find a drop of alcohol anywhere. And, and that's a big joint. Like I think it closed down. Absolutely. I, I think I, I they, think, uh, they moved it somewhere else. They, like, oh, they okay. had it. Yeah. And then they moved it. I haven't been since I was in like sixth grade or something like that. Well, like a field trip. Oh man. I'll never forget that. That was one of the, that's like, that's going in my Iowa state book that I'm writing like tales from that night. Cause it was just crazy. Like this place was completely overwhelmed by Iowa state fans. They had no idea what to expect. I don't know if like, there probably wasn't Bush light (laughs) in Rawhide at that point. I don't think that that had started up yet, but yeah, no, I, I, all I remember is like, I was one of the last people to leave because I, I, I was one of the, like, I actually had a spot at this like saloon or whatever, and I didn't leave yeah. it. And I had a pretty good waitress who was taking care of me. And like afterwards, like they were all sitting around and just talking about how insane all these people were. But oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to Rawhide where it wasn't like kind of a ghost town. But yeah, it was cool because they had like these wild cowboy like fake shootouts. Oh, yeah. They got there and they're, they're like acting like they're killing each other and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, as a kid, that was like the, I thought that was like one of the cooler places ever. I took my daughters to someplace <laughs> like that when I was out there last spring. It was out, it was out of ways, but yeah, somewhere. scared the hell out of my seven-year-old. Like <laughs> she actually yeah. thought the guy was drunk and got, got shot in the middle of the street. Like she, she, well, she didn't know any different. Yeah. Gun goes scared. off, dude drops. Like it was, uh, anyways, we, we figured it out. So, yeah. okay. Um, so we win the Fiesta Bowl. Yep. Well, we we need to go back to when you, yeah, because you didn't get the tight ends job until last year was your first year, right? Yeah, January. Okay, so walk me through that transition. So you've been a you you director, assistant director of scouting, quality control. Yep. And you're really paying your dues. Like those those jobs again. Yeah. Like, I mean, they look great on paper. 
They don't look great on paper. They, no, <laughs> they are. You can say they look great on paper, and I appreciate that, but they they don't. I'm and saying most of the time, to if I had a dollar for every time somebody was like, "What is like, what is a quality control?" What is like, quality it, control? Because I was going to ask you. Because fan, I'm yeah. saying like the fans will look at your resume and be like, "Oh, I mean, yeah. assistant director of scouting. That's a good title." And like senior quality control, that's that's great. But my my point was these are grind jobs. Like you, you've been grinding at this point for a good five years. Yeah. And then the tight ends job opens. Absolutely. Yeah. It was. Walk me through uh, that. Was this like a sure thing? Like how how did that work? Um, so after we won the Fiesta bowl, coach Campbell called me maybe like that Monday and told me that and offered me the, the tight end job and it was like the the best whatever the best like four day sequence of my entire life between like winning the fiesta bowl because ever since i started working for coach campbell as like a uh coffee boy paper guy you know envelope person i like always dreamed about being his you know his guy like i wanted to be a position coach on his staff i had had good relationships with the people uh, coaches on the staff and it was literally like it was a dream job to me and it meant a lot to me just with the investment that I've had up to that point. Like I have had opportunities to like go do, you know, other things throughout my career, but like, I just, I love coach Campbell and coach Manning and the people here so much. Like I never, ever wanted to leave. So to, to have that, that day happen and get that phone call was like when you're like a young GA, yeah. you always hope that that happens and you know, you know, you never know, but it was, it was awesome. A lot of times too, for you, guys in that spot i mean you have to leave i mean even if you don't want to it's like well at some point i need to start making real money and i need to and like for it to happen exactly how you wanted to work it out and at your age was just an amazing thing no it wasn't i put a lot of trust in in coach manning and coach campbell and they've always like led me in the right direction and anything that's ever come across my plate like no matter what it's football not football like I go talk to Coach Campbell about it. I talk to Coach Manning about it. I talk to Jeff and the, the people here. Coach Manning and Campbell and those guys, like, they would have told me to to leave if they thought it was an opportunity. That would have been best for me to help get me to, you know, whatever my goals were. But they always told me that just staying here and, and doing whatever I could to, to help our football team would, would get me where I wanted to go, and, and they were right. Well, and then you're given a position group with some all-timers. Alzheimer's. Yeah. I mean, that's that. I mean, then it, then it gets even better because you get Charlie Kohler and Chase Allen. Yeah, it was a uh, it to have those guys. You know, to inherit those guys was obviously the 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 job of a lifetime. And like I have had, I had such good relationships with those guys mm-hmm. going into it, like having help recruit them and just meet with them throughout you know their careers and talk to them and do football stuff like it was never like awkward or like uh, I never felt like overwhelmed with them just because I had such good relationships with those guys and I knew what their goals were and I knew what our team's goals were. And it was all just to like help them achieve their like goals and dreams for what they want to do. And like, I love those two guys. Like I've been texting and talking to them all day. I talk to them almost every day. They're the most incredible kids ever. And like, I love their personalities and who they are outside of football. So it made it really easy when the job happened to to just go right into football mode and and start grinding and, and having fun and, and and getting after it. Do you get kind of nervous like a dad today when they're at the combine? I do get <laughs> I I don't get nervous for them because 
like they're such pros, like they handle their, they're such like process oriented. And like, I knew that they were going in there and like, they've worked through everything in their mind already, like going into the weekend and they've trained so hard for the last two months and the last six years to like get to the day like today. Mm -hmm. And they're not guys that get overwhelmed by the moment. Like they are, uh, they'll get like stressed throughout the week and then game day, they're like lights out, uh, composed, like laser focused dudes. They're not emotional roller coaster, overwhelmed kind of kids. So me personally, like, I was like anxious and excited for them. And I like, I want to be there like with them to like help them and, and just be around them and hang out with them. And so selfishly, I was anxious to, to see him work and do stuff, but I, I miss him more than anything. Here's my hot take. We'll see if you agree. I think the best athletes on the field are tight ends. They got to be able to block. They got to be able to run. They got to be able to do, they got to be able to catch. Yeah. I mean, there's not a, there's not a position on the field that has to do more physically than a tight end. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, of course you know, you. The last couple of years yeah. with the amount of tight ends that we've played with and what we've asked those guys to do, they've had to play a lot of football and asked to do all sorts of different stuff. And yeah, with the, with the run game piece of it, with what we had with, with Brees and, you know, wanting to be a run first football team to have those guys be able to go flex out and, do stuff, but they're, they're guys that they're the most un you know unselfish people I've ever met, and they've done anything that the the team and Campbell and Tom asked them to do. But I, I agree with you. I like I like where you're at with the tight end the tight end talk there. Tight ends and DNs. I've always said that, but um, okay. yeah. So you now you're in a real so spring football starts this week, and yep. a totally different year for you. Yeah. as a position coach compared to a year ago. I, I always said last year's spring football was the most boring spring football I've ever covered because uh, we knew everything. Like, it's like, yeah. you know, what are you going to ask about? Like a fourth string? No, like I knew the whole too deep, right? Like this year, like when I look at – in most fans, when they look at the group of tight ends, we know Jared Russ, like, because we've seen him a lot. Jared Russ, that's right. But the rest of these guys, like, I mean, we don't know much about because we haven't seen them on the field yeah. that much we've heard about Easton Dean comes in as a quarterback transfer yeah. uh, transforms into a tight end great looking yeah. kid 6'6 255 um Hanukkah 6'6 245 heard a lot of good things about him um same Tyler Moore from uh Johnson but but we've never yeah. seen any of them so like how yeah. how is the position coach is this thing just completely wide open going into the spring yeah it's it's completely wide open and like all those guys that you're talking about are like so hungry and so eager to like go out and compete and get the reps. And like, it's at the same time, it's like a really, really close group also. Like they all hang out with each other and they're like good friends and they do everything with each other. So like, it's an incredible, it's a really fun group to be around. And it was last year, even with Charlie and Chase and those young guys, like everybody in there has such a big personality, but uh, it, it is wide open. And those guys are just excited to go like play football and get reps. And they all bring something a little different to, the table and they've all been really patient and waited their turn. And I think when you look at like the the world now with like the transfer portal and, and mm -hmm. things like that, like those guys have all been patient and like really took time to like learn from Charlie, learn from Chase and ask questions and take criticism and, and be coached by those guys and myself and our, and our staff and just trust that when their turn got here, that they would be ready to, to go to work and they've done a great job all winter and I've, couldn't have been, I couldn't be more impressed with them. And 
I can't wait to go out there. We got one-on-ones tomorrow and I've been hyping it up big time and, <laughs> and talking some trash to the safety. So we'll see what the, the fresh tight ends have in store for, for tomorrow. Uh, Matt always talks about players, formations, plays. That's one of his like go-to yeah. sayings. I mean, you, it's, it's different now, right? Like yeah. it, it, when you don't have um, Saner, Chase and Kolar, like these guys still have to like prove themselves on Saturdays. Will the yeah. will there be as much asked of the tight end group or like to start the season, or will that be a process you think to get these guys some reps, right? Like I, I and I don't yeah. even know exactly what I'm asking, coach. Like because no, no, I know what be, you mean. But like will they be as involved in the offense as maybe we've seen, or will that take a while to work that in? Yeah, I think uh the, the players' formations plays thing's always been our deal. And when we got here we didn't have any tight ends, so we didn't play with any like what Saner and Seam Buckner and Charlie and Chase did, like they became the most trusted people, like some of the most trusted people on the team. And the talent in the tight end room is certainly there to to play in 12 and 13 sets right now. Mm-hmm. But I think our our group, we have to earn the trust from the head coach and offensive corner that we can go out there and be guys that can do a lot of the same stuff. And, and I, it's naive to think that we could just hop in and do some of that stuff. Like, I feel confident that we can, but like consistently with, with Easton and Deshaun and Tyler and Russ and the, you know, Steve O'Klotz is like, we got to go out there and like be consistent every day and put together good days and be able to block people like Will McDonald yeah, and be able to, to move really athletic DNs. Cause this, the, the big 12 coming back, like there's some really good DNs in this conference and we got to be able to move them in the run game first and be physical. And then, be able to to bring back to back days of you know pass game consistency there too to earn trust from from Hunter Daggers and the quarterbacks. So that's where it starts though is the blocking. Like that's for me it does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And these guys like I can tell you like we have few people on the team that I think are like tougher than the tight ends that we have in that room right now between Jared Russ and Easton and Deshaun and Tyler. Like those guys are gritty dudes and they'll throw it in there and Easton's a really um interesting yeah. prospect to me. I mean, you come in as a quarterback. I always said he has the best name, Easton Dean. That's a that's a great name. It is it's a like, good name. It's a strong name. It's like a country artist. I like it. He 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 when you hear him talk, like he talks like a country artist <laughs> too. Like I, I feel like he kind of looks at himself that way a little bit. I have to get him on the podcast and talk to him sometime. About you should, that. yeah. He, he's like the worst car heart every day from oh, Kansas nice. and boots. Yeah, so my kind of guy. A, but no, like he, he comes in as a quarterback and then it boom, he's a tight end. And then yep. you're right though. Like that to me, like Easton Dean seems like a guy who like not should have transferred, but like in this world that we live in, like, oh yeah, yeah. that guy left. Yeah. And he's still here. That's no question. That says and a lot. It does. And like that guy, like, like I said earlier, like he really did soak up what Charlie and Chase did and what he's been able to do in the off season at this point with the winter workouts and the weight room and nutrition stuff. Like he's a guy that I, I feel really confident about. And like from an athleticism standpoint and a flexibility standpoint and a route standpoint, like I think he could do it all. And like I said, like he just has to go out and earn the trust of, the team and the coaches and become a guy Hunter Deckers can trust, but we got to, we got to move people in the run game. And I think he's ready to do that. And same with Deshaun. All right. So I feel, I've always felt like um, Chase Allen to me because, you know, next to Charlie, right. Who got all these touchdowns and receptions. And I always thought Chase was just underrated in general. Like 
in, only in the sense that I felt like he's the guy who probably is doing a ton behind the scenes and blocking wise and schematically that most yeah. just casual fans either cannot pick up on, mm-hmm. right? Because they're not at practice, they're not in, they're yeah. not in the room with you guys, and they're just not watching blocking. Like I always say, like I'm not going to yeah. sit here and talk about the offensive line because I have no idea what they're supposed to do, and I feel like I'm a pretty educated football fan until I sat in and literally watched film with like Campbell and all those guys one time. And I was like, okay, I don't even know. Like, this is completely like a different world for me in that sense. Is is Chase Allen, maybe the, is he one of the most underrated guys of the Campbell era here? hundred percent. The, the most, yeah, the most, if not, I mean, that was absolutely. My, I wanted to say that, but I didn't want to go that far because yeah. I didn't want to leave like, anybody out. I but. can't say enough good things about Chase Allen and like what that kid means to me and what that kid did for our football team. And he played more snaps than Charlie did like this last season. Like he did absolutely everything. He made big catches. He hurt people like in the blocking game, like in, like in the run game, like that guy killed people. Like he was an absolute beast in the run game. Like, with the edges he was able to set for us. Like I was with where he was at last year to this year. And he was a good blocker last year, but that kid really came on and, and moved people. And he's a different guy right now. And I think like with where he's at in the, in the route piece of it too. And with what he did at the combine tonight, like that guy can track footballs. He's long, he's rangy, like he's super athletic. He's loose, he's flexible. And he'll do, he's the most unselfish kid I've ever met. Like he never complained one mm-hmm. time never wanted a ball. Like if he had to block so that we could throw the ball to Charlie to score a touchdown, he honestly believed that was the best thing for our football team and would die to make it happen. And like went to, to did anything and everything to help us win a football game to help us get an inch. Like that guy would do it. feel like he's going to have a nice pro career. Don't you? I think he will too. Like he's great on special teams. Yeah. He soaks up everything. Like he could come back here and coach, every position on our offense. Like he could drop all 11 people versus every defense. He's a true coach's kid. Like, I mean, we know about his dad and what he did and chase Allen, like with his personality is he's a guy like you, you miss having around, like just lights up a room everywhere he goes composed. Phenomenal hair too. I mean, great lettuce. Yeah. It's just (laughs) incredible. He looked great out there. I don't know if you saw him tonight. Like you got a trim, you know, what? I have it all right. There only a few sickos like me DVR the combine, but I I've, I I I, uh, I had a crazy day, but I didn't get to watch it live. But I saw the numbers and everything looked good. Though. Yeah, so that's yeah. I'm excited. I have a T or I almost said TV. I don't even know if that's a phrase anymore. Man, I have it recorded back home. I'm excited to go watch it. All right, um, last couple things for you. So I like to do a little research on you guys before you come on. I, I um yep. What's the craziest thing that Tyson made you do when you were a volunteer at Toledo? <laughs> That's a great question. I do. Listen, um, I, I am a professional journalist. Okay. I'm not going to come into these things, not prepared. So yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot. So that's uh, for their listeners. That's Tyson Vite, who was on the podcast. I don't know, three, four weeks ago. Um, the linebackers coach, just so people can put the two together. <laughs> so the, the craziest like, slash worst thing that I had to do probably we used to do this like seven on most teams, like a seven on seven camp. Yeah. And he made me get, take like this equipment van and go to the different coaches' houses around Toledo and pick up their grills, like off the, oh in the, from their backyard. So I had to go with like this. And it was like this shady, 
van. It was like rusted out. So I was just driving <laughs> this big van around and I was wheeling these barbecues out from the backyards of like our coaches. And like, I scared some of the kids at the death because they just thought somebody was stealing their barbecue <laughs> up their patios. So I was going, getting these grills. Yeah, And you're like and 22 at the time, probably haven't shaved. Yeah, I was only 22. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was literally like just driving around, filling the back of this van. I bet you I had seven grills in the back of this car in the back of this van and brought them to the seven on seven so that we could cook like cheeseburgers and hot dogs for people at the seven on seven camp. That was, uh, man, we need to get you guys probably, like yeah. the pork sponsorship or something like that. To I know somebody we didn't have that. that. Time, we just had like uh, frozen burger patties that we cooked under the stadium. It was, it was a bad deal. So did I, you have to like, take the grills back too? Oh yeah, man. Loaded them back up, cleaned them up, put them back in this van and drove around. I bet you I drove around for two and a half hours, just picking up different, picking up different grills from, and dropping girls off. Props to you. Yeah, man. Whatever it ta- whatever it takes. <laughs> but Coach Vire definitely gave me a fair share of. Uh, He's the best. Terrible, terrible tasks, stocking shelves, and doing all sorts of stuff. But he's very, very particular and very, very organized, and that's why he's as good as he is. Okay, I'm also supposed to ask you: Did anything in particular happen on your first day to work in Toledo? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was, uh, my, I had an aunt that lived skip or somebody had to air, like give you, I'm not, I, I'm again, I'm a professional journalist. I don't give up my sources. Yeah. I know that you did it skip. All right. So if you're listening, (laughs) I know that you sold me down the river on all this Uh, and we're going to turn the tables on you next time. Well, he's, he, he hasn't taken his turn yet, so we can get dirt on him. Yeah. I think we combo it and we just fry skip for, we could do hour. what do you call it? Like when comedy the the roast Stuart yeah, skip that's roast. That's a good idea. Roast. Do it on that's like a, that's Twitch. A good idea. I got a lot of material. Be good for recruiting down. to see all you guys up there doing your stand up comedy. That's good. I think I'd have a good routine. <laughs> so uh, but so that first day at Toledo, I was living. I had an aunt that lived like an hour north in Michigan, in Adrian, Michigan, and she let me borrow her car to like to drive back and forth to Toledo. It was the very first day. I'm I graduated from school, went back to Arizona for two months and then was going to Toledo for the start of, or for like the middle of spring or winter workouts. Sure enough, it's like the blizzard of the century in Michigan. (laughs) I've never seen anything like this. It was like a winter (laughs) wonderland. It was terrible. So I'm driving out. It's like an hour. I get on the highway. Sure enough, like the car loses control, like donuts, fishtail and the whole deal. Like, put the car in a ditch the first day. So there's no chance I'm going to be on time. I'm sitting in the car, scared to death, like heart racing a thousand miles an hour. This truck pulls up to help pull me out. They try to pull me out and pull themselves into this ditch. So now the truck's in the ditch. I end up waiting for the snow to stop. Had to have my aunt come pick me up. Like I was a kindergartner. (laughs) And then she brought me to work. I was like four hours late to work my first day. How were they? Were they receptive? Like, well, the good thing is, like, nobody knew who I was. (laughs) Like, I could have been the guy, the Jimmy John sandwich guy, for all anybody knew. Like, I, I I was just like a a guy there, and I bet you nobody knew who I was at Salido for like three months, until eventually someone's like, "Man, I I see you around here a lot. Do you do you work here?" Who did you answer to? 
I was with, I worked for like skip. I was getting food for the players lounge and stock and vending machines and Tyson. I was doing recruiting stuff. So I'd get like the, the recruiting boxes for, okay. for people to go on the road. And I would get our mailers yeah. and I was in charge of sending the mailers out every week. So I'd try fold. Like when you fold a piece of paper three times, we didn't have like the nice big envelopes. So I had to fold them stuff them and then i would seal them and the only way to seal them outside of licking i'm like unless you want like a seinfeld yeah, situation where die. You, yeah. you die from licking envelopes <laughs> i got a like a cereal or a, a big like punch bowl and i filled it with water and i would dip my thumbs in it oh wow and I, would, I would run it across the top of the envelope and then seal it so it was literally just by the thousands thumbs swipe seal get it out of there so tyson and uh and skip. Imagining, imagine answering to Tyson, Coach Wright, and Skip for six months. Showing up to work four hours late on your. Uh, my yeah. aunt had to bring me here. Yeah, it was it was so embarrassing, and I like didn't I, I put the car in a ditch, so I felt like an idiot every way you can spin it. Well, we're glad you're here now. I'm glad too. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. I, my driving skills in the snow have have gotten much better. Also, no, outside of that, that I've I haven't had any incidences. Well, um, enjoy your spring. I know that this will be a different type of challenge. I, I, I've, I've told people, take this the wrong, I, I feel like this coaching staff, particularly Campbell, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not that last year wasn't fun. Um, yeah. I feel like you guys really kind of thrive on, like, the underdog role and, like, being like, hey, yeah. let's develop these guys. This, this, It feels like the whole staff is kind of, like, I don't know, fired up for this spring to get – get going with some of these younger guys. No, we are. And uh, as much as I miss Charlie and Chase and we miss the, the, the seniors from last year and we will forever. I don't know if the coaches here in Campbell have ever been hungrier and the players have ever been hungrier to, to go play football again and to get out there and hit people and catch footballs and, and watch film and go to meetings and things like that. There's a, there's a hunger on the football team for sure. Thanks for your time, brother. We appreciate it as always. Chris, anytime, man. Thank you.